Thanks for joining me for a special edition of the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I explore books, writing, and literary culture, broadcasting Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. I also do a segment on uh, 2SER Breakfast on Tuesdays called the Tuesday Book Club, and we're going to take uh, take one of my segments there where I speak with Tess Connery about a new book. And uh, part of the part of the rationale of the Great Conversations podcast is a way to enlarge that discussion around books and issues. This weekly podcast shares us the stories and issues that make our world tick. We get behind the scenes. We talk to the creators of the books you love. Now, today, I want to introduce you to a book that's going to be featuring in our next podcast episode. And I feel like this is a really important book, and that's why I wanted to share it out. Baruz Bashani's No Friend But the Mountains takes a reader into Australia's offshore detention facilities. Baruz has been imprisoned on Manus Island for five years, and in that time, he's written journalism on his imprisonment. He's also produced an internationally acclaimed film, Chaka, Please Tell Us the Time. No Friend But the Mountains is his first book, and it imagines his life and experiences on Manus, detailing the oppression and torture of life imprisoned without recourse or release. So here's my conversation with Tess Connery from 2SCR's Breakfast Program, introducing Baruz Bashani's No Friend But the Mountains. Andrew, good morning. Hey, Tess, how are you? I'm good. What have you got for us this week? Okay, so something of a departure for us this week, Tess. So far in the book club, we've explored exclusively fiction and predominantly Australian authors. In fact, except for last week where we looked a little bit at The Handmaid's Tale, which uh, was Margaret Atwood's uh, novel, we have been looking exclusively at Australian authors. Today, however, we're going to look into a memoir, a memoir that was released last week. Baruz Bashani's No Friend But the Mountains is certainly not fiction, despite what I'm sure so many in the government might want us to believe. And while the author is a Kurdish poet and philosopher, this book is certain to take its place amongst Australian writing, um, and perhaps to our greater shame. The cover of No Friend But the Mountains is striking for the unrelenting gaze of Baruz Bashani, his eyes perhaps searching, perhaps accusing. The subtitle, Writings from Manus Prison, tells you much of what you need to know about this book and its contents. Uh, just just a note here um, on our chat. Throughout the book, Beruz refers to his location, where he is still at the moment as we speak, as Manus Prison. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue using that convention throughout our chat um, and I think let people decide the veracity of it. I, I, think, I think there's merit to it. Um, so the story is, is straightforward and perhaps too well known. Uh, Baruz arrived by boat via Indonesia, having fled Iran. He, amongst many others, were taken to Christmas Island and then imprisoned on Manus Island. The story may be straightforward, but it's by no means simple, as Baruz explores the situation of detention, the debasement of bodies and minds as part of indefinite imprisonment. The book is not, it's not just a recount of the events of Baru's journey from Manus, uh, from journey to Manus prison. Um, in fact, his, his journey and subsequent transfer to Manus, they occupy the initial stages of the book before he's in prison. And then the story shifts to delve into the effect of imprisonment and its toll, not only on those inside the prison, but the native Papuans working at the prison and the Australians employed as guards, medical staff and officials. Now, an important concept in Baru's exploration and the story of Manus Prison is Kiriaki and the Kiriakal system. 
Baruse uses the framework of the Kyriakal system to explore the interplay of power within the Manus, uh, within Manus prison and how the asylum seekers themselves are actually made complicit in their own imprisonment. So just, just a kind of a quick catch up and a note on, on definitions. Kyriaki and the Kyriakal system are concepts first coined uh, in a book in 2001, I think, by feminist scholar Elizabeth Schlosser-Firenza to refer to complex and intersecting social structures that work to entrench systems of rule and oppression. So within Manus Prison, Baruz explores the ways that relations between individuals and groups, so these are individuals who are asylum seekers within the prisons, individuals, uh, relationships between guards and prisoners, cleaners and prisoners, but then also groups within the prison, the way people might group based around nationality, the way people are grouped by being asylum seekers or guards. The way these individuals and groups, uh, their, their groupings are enacted to entrench not only bodily imprisonment, their bodies are imprisoned, they can't leave. Um, I think it's Fox, uh, Fox Camp is where Beruz is imprisoned but also the wearing down of indi- individual freedoms, the the interplay of, of two souls, effectively, the way we relate as people. Um, so that's the Kyriakal system, and that's, that's about as theoretical as I want to get in today's book club, because while I do want everyone to understand the gravity of this work, this is, this is not a simple recollection of events. This is an exploration of the way those events have shaped Beru's, the way they are shaping the individuals involved, but then also the broader implications of our society. Um, I want everyone to understand that. I also want to highlight the beauty and lyricism of Baru's writing. So the text offers this really subtle interplay of poetry and prose. Uh, Baru's is a poet. Um, he's a, a beautiful writer. Um, many people may have discovered his writing through places like The Guardian. Um, and it's used to evoke this ebbing of sadness, of joy, memory, and present reality. And this is really Baruz invoking his imprisonment. Uh, I definitely should mention here the translator, Omid uh, Tafidjian. um, And apologies to Omid if I have... I hope I've pronounced his surname correctly. Um, Omid has transformed Baruz's original Kurdish text in such wonderful ways. So, um, Baruz, if you've seen interviews, he does... He speaks... Amazing English, but Kurdish is, um, uh, he has uh, written the text in. The text was also collated and pieced together. I'm not sure if you've heard this story. No. Just, um, through messages, like WhatsApp messages, through conversations, Skype conversations, and smuggled out of Manus. The collection of this work is a story uh, in itself and to rival any of, of uh, any sort of prison memoir. So the overall effect of No Friend But The Mountains is really hard to describe. Um, because at times I was truly uplifted reading Baru's beautiful evocation of place or memory. I was also horrified, though, and shamed by the situations that he describes, uh, particularly because those situations are enacted at the hands of Australia. This is because of policies that were put in place. Um, and he is very aware of this um, and very conscious of the fact that he, he arrived, I think, on Christmas Island. So his boat, the boat that he was on, sank. They were rescued. Arrived on Christmas Island something like four days after the um, the policy that uh, Kevin Rudd put in place. Something else to remember? Yeah. <laughs> both, both sides of the government are complicit here. Um, so 
I really wanted um, the book club, though. I wanted to focus on the literary merits of this work, and there is so much to it, from the philosophical underpinnings and investigation to the lyricism, the beauty of the prose, the way Baruz is able to uh, to evoke a scene and situation. I haven't even mentioned, I'm going to quickly mention, the way he draws on um, literary traditions um, in Farsi, uh, which I don't even fully understand, but I'm coming to understand as I read the book. I didn't want it to become overly political, but reading No Friend But The Mountains is, is in and of itself pr- pretty much a political act. Uh, and any conversation cannot fail but to skirt these these sort of political issues. So I heard said um, around the time of the Thai cave rescue, if we, if we cast our minds back, it wasn't that long ago, um, that the world resonated so strongly with that story because they could we could see what was happening. We were bombarded with visuals of the boys and the efforts to freedom. The complete opposite is true uh, of the more than a thousand people, more than a hundred of whom are children in Australia's offshore detention system. Uh, those figures are obtained from the Refugee Council website. If anyone wants to wants to check up on them, um, these people are hidden from public view, with the media often blocked from accessing them. No friend but the mountains is one way to lift the veil of the situation of people seeking asylum in Australia. It's a chance to engage in. Uh, in what's happening in the Australian offshore detention regime and come to understand or have some understanding of the consequences of what's being done in our name. So maybe that's the only reason to read it. I think there are so many others. I hope I hope I've given the listener some. This is a book. I feel like this is a book that you're going to hear people say is a must read. And those people are probably the people that have already approached some of these issues in their own thinking and other people are going to try and dismiss this book. Um, it is a must read. Um, I think it's it's one of the reasons I like to do what I do on Final Draft and coming to talk to you, Tess, because <laughs> when you help someone discover a book like this, you you have the chance to change their thinking, to maybe even change their life about about a particular issue. And I think that's what Beru's Bashani's book, No Friend But The Mountains, can do. And when you said that you were going to talk about this, I didn't really know what to expect, but I, I think I was more expecting just a straight recollection of events, but... Mm. It sounds, you know, so much more. It really is. Um, some really interesting things. So he names are not omitted. He gives he gives uh, sort of character evocations to name people, and the few um, the few names that we do get in the book are the people that are well known. So he does that. He he takes that convention to protect people. Um, the few names that we know are men that have died. On Manus, he does use their names because he feels it's important for for us to understand. And this is all detailed in um, Omid's uh, translator's notes. Uh, but he evokes a situation very again. I, I come back to this word lyrically. Um, he he gives us a chance to experience through his evocation. It's not simply this happened. I feel like if he had done that, it would have actually allowed the reader to put themselves at a distance from events. But the way he can move between uh, a description of a situation to a very visceral uh, moment of being in the situation. I've um, recently been reading a discussion around the toilet blocks in um, the Fox Fox compound. I hope I'm getting that right. Um, and it's shocking and it's horrible. And it's all the more so for the language and ability that Baruz has to create these very um, putrid scenes. Um, and that's, yeah... That's something of this book because it uh, it takes you there in in it takes you to a place you never want to be um, physically and I guess I guess intellectually. It's definitely uh, one that is going on my list. 
And that's it for this special bonus edition of the Great Conversations podcast, introducing No Friend But The Mountains from Beruz Bashani. My full conversation with Beruz is coming up on the next episode, so stick around for that and uh, definitely go out and get yourself a copy of Beruz's book. It's out now from Pan Macmillan, and this is a really important story, and I think it deserves wide attention. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Now, if you're enjoying Great Conversations from Final Draft, I would love if you could subscribe in iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is, discover more fantastic Australian writing, and it really helps to share it out there as well. If you're enjoying the show, you could also uh, give us a rating to help other people discover more great Australian literature. And to keep up with the latest books, writing and literary culture, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. My name is Andrew Popel, and I'm going to be back in just a couple of days with more great conversations from the next Final Draft podcast. See you then.